This is the Best Friends Podcast, dedicated to sharing the people and programs that are ending the killing of cats and dogs in America's animal shelters. You'll hear from animal welfare leaders from across the movement who will share the innovative and collaborative work that are creating life-saving successes in communities of all sizes. Hello and welcome to the Best Friends Podcast. My name is John Dunn and I am coming to you from the Sheraton Hotel in downtown Raleigh. If you're attending the Best Friends National Conference, which is kicking off today, a very warm welcome to North Carolina to you. And yes, it is very warm. Now, as it is conference week, one of my very favorite weeks of the entire year, we thought we might just talk a little bit about North Carolina, specifically why we are here. In 2008, the Best Friends National Conference returned after a couple of years off because of a break due to Hurricane Katrina. And for several of the subsequent years, it was held in Las Vegas. Then, starting in 2015, we broke that streak by heading to Atlanta, Georgia, then Salt Lake City, Atlantic City, New Jersey in 2017, then Los Angeles. 2019 was Dallas, Texas, before the pandemic forced us to cancel the 2020 event. 2021 was virtual, and that brings us to today. 2022 here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Now, based on that list of places, it might seem random, but those locations were selected for a reason, for their importance to the animal welfare movement. Atlanta, Georgia, the story of Rebecca Gwynn taking on the contracts for both Fulton and DeKalb counties, turning them around. It's one of the most inspiring stories in animal welfare history. Learn more about that in episode 28. Salt Lake City, the story of Utah's statewide no-kill Utah coalition. Atlantic City and the Boardwalk Cats that arguably is one of the most successful TNR projects for community cats ever. LA, the transformative work of the NKLA Coalition. We talked about that in episode 55. The conference in Dallas was an opportunity to show the dramatic success at Dallas Animal Services led by Ed Jamison and his team. Check out episodes 61 and 62 to hear Ed himself tell that story. And today to North Carolina a state with some success stories of its own, but a state with some work left to do before they can add themselves to the list of states that have reached the 90% benchmark. In fact, the life-saving gap or the number of animals statewide that need to be saved to reach 90%, it's almost 29,000 animals. The story of North Carolina cannot possibly be told in one episode, but as I said, we thought since we're here, we could offer a little context about the state and its life-saving story. So just before I set off for the Tar Heel State, I chatted with John Graves. He's the strategist for the East Region at Best Friends and a native North Carolinian. Born and raised, yes. I have uh, actually worked in North Carolina animal welfare since 2006 from mountains to the coast. Yeah, done it all from, you know, kennel management all the way up to animal services and nonprofit and, and organization management. Well, let's start with the most basic question, John. Why is the Best Friends National Conference happening in Raleigh, North Carolina? Well, I mean, obviously, because North Carolina is the best state, you know, in the United States, just for starters, you know, uh, it's a beautiful state. Again, because we got the mountains, we got the coast, we got hiking trails, we got surfing, we've got everything you could possibly want in one state. So why, why not come here? Uh, <laughs> you know, and then from an animal welfare standpoint, uh, you know, we are the third highest euthanizing in the country, unfortunately. We also have a lot of opportunities here in North Carolina, and, and we are progressing slowly but surely, you know, uh, into to a greater life-saving state. 
So the latest data set, the year 2021, just came out last month. Putting you on the spot to see if you can remember, but what was the save rate statewide? It's still right around 76%. I think it was 76.6% last year. Now it's 76.3. So we're still hovering around 76, but we did see a, we did see a decrease in youth, or excuse me, an increase in euthanasia, decrease in life saving. Yeah, I was just looking at the pet life saving dashboard, which, by the way, anyone can look at the data we're talking about right now. You can see it at the national level, at the state level, all the way down to the local level where you live. We'll have links to these things in the resources for this episode in the show notes on your podcast player, also on bestfriends.org slash podcast. Now, looking at North Carolina, it's uh, all color coded the way that the dashboard works. So you can see the counties that are at 90 percent. They're green. Uh, and there are a few of those. But a lot more counties, John, are yellow. Those are the ones that have a life-saving gap. Uh, so, you know, on the face of it, John, if you just sort of look at it that way, there's a lot of work to do in North Carolina. There is a lot of work to do in North Carolina, but we also have a lot of, a lot of organizations that have made a lot of progress over the last, you know, five or 10 years. And North Carolina as a whole has seen a lot of progress over the last five or 10 years, you know. So if you're looking at our numbers, you know, going back to 2019, even 2020, we did, you know, we were one of those states that saw a major jump in life-saving as shelters started adopting, you know, managed intake and a lot of shelters have held on to that kind of stuff, you know. So we, again, we've seen the dip, but we are still hopeful that we're going to, we're going to see a nice recovery, you know, in the long run. Um, we've seen so many shelters, like I said, adopt best practices and managed intake and community cap programs and, you know, more and more communities looking to include those things as we move forward. Well, sorry to derail this a bit, but I keep hearing these faint meows and then I just saw the cutest Siamese kitten walk past. Yeah, so that Siamese cat is actually a foster cat that we pulled out of one of our partner shelters last week. I was uh, doing a shelter tour with the embed team and we walked past this cage and this poor little thing was just looking pretty rough and you know, she needed to get out. She was, you know, she was looking kind of sickly. And so I was, I looked at my, my partner in crime from the embed team and I was like, Hey, let's take this cat with us back to the Airbnb and then I'll take her home. And uh, we got her back to the Airbnb and she perked right up. I mean, you just heard her sneeze, but uh, other than that, she's doing really well. <laughs> you know, she perked right up in the Airbnb. I kind of think she tricked us a little bit. I don't think she was as sick as she made us think she was, but uh yeah, she's doing great. You don't just teach people how to save lives. You are doing it yourself. I love that. Uh, and I love Siamese cats, by the way. My cat, Bob, he's my first Siamese. He's a weirdo, but I love him. And I, I'm my guess is he won't be my last. Yeah, me too. My, I grew up with them, man. They're talkers. You know, this is my favorite thing. Okay, so back to North Carolina. What about Raleigh specifically? You know, how is the community that is playing host to the conference doing in terms of life-saving? Well, Raleigh, um, Wake County has some of the best numbers in the state. I mean, they have done an amazing job. You know, they were an early adopter in North Carolina of community cats. And um, especially for such a large area, they are one of the best, like I said, one of the, one of the biggest leaders that we have here in North Carolina. We have the Wake County SPCA, and we have the Wake County Animal Shelter, and they're both just amazingly progressive and well-run organizations that focus on community engagement, community cats, um, really, you know, bringing the community into the shelter. 
and uh, yeah, increasing their life saving rate that way. That's awesome. And hopefully the attendees have a chance to stop by the shelter uh, while they're there. So that map that I alluded to earlier, you know, I imagine a lot of those counties that still have life saving gaps are rural. And like all states, a good amount of North Carolina is rural. I looked it up and it's actually twice the national average in terms of the amount of the state that is considered rural. We know rural areas, the problems across the country, the veterinary shortage, access to care, you know, those problems are really magnified in rural areas. And I'm guessing that's the case there. For sure. And one of the things that's interesting about North Carolina is that even in our biggest cities, even our counties that have the largest cities, like even Charlotte and even Raleigh and, you know, Winston-Salem, all of these areas have like, of course, their urban areas, but then right outside of that, almost all of them have rural areas. So they all have this, you know, dichotomy of of have and have not and of, you know, farm animals and city animals. <laughs> so it's it, they have all of the challenges. They have all, the, you know, all of the, a lot of the resources and a lot of successes, too, that come with a large city. But they have a lot of the same challenges, you know, in rural areas like you'll go to Charmec and they'll have a horse and a pig. You know what I mean? And, you know, or you go by, you know, wake or whatever, and they've got a goat just chilling, you know. Um, so you, again, you see a lot of being so rural because North Carolina is rural, obviously, you know, we have some, some huge gaps of, of rural communities. And what our biggest issue here in North Carolina is, is access to care. And so we have these deserts of affordable, you know, high volume spay neuter. Um, and not even just spay neuter, but, you know, access to vaccines and, and um, you know, and, and just general animal care. When you're putting new programs in place, no matter what those programs are, they almost always hinge on some level of access to care. You know, we can go in and we can start a community cat program for sure without spay neuter. I mean, there's definitely things that you can do to, you know, to get the ball rolling, but eventually you're going to need to address it from, you know, a sterilization from, from a point. And without that access to spay neuter, where do you go? We've seen this for, I mean, forever. I mean, this is, this is a longstanding problem in North Carolina that's only gotten worse with the vet national veterinary shortage. The way I see our way out of it is more local vet buy-in because popping up these clinics is not really a, a, a long-term solution, you know, and, and even a short-term solution because we could go in and we could pop a clinic up and we could go through all the steps, you know, that there are to, you know, to getting a, a, a an own clinic in, in North Carolina, which is very difficult. But then who's going to run it? Who's going to staff it? You know, we can't even find veterinarians right now to, to do, you know, to do the more um, major cities. You know, who are we going to get to go live in rural North Carolina? You know, it's beautiful. I love it, but it's not for everyone. That's for sure. So working with your community veterinarians and getting the, getting to them, I think it's really the the, long, the solution. And also they're going to be there long term for the most part. You know, these vets have community buy-in and they're rooted in their own neighborhoods. So <clears throat> that's how we always were able to do it in the shelters that I ran in North Carolina. You know, it would take a while or whatever, but just staying on with the local vets and, and the last shelter I ran, we would have never gotten by without all the support that we had from all the local veterinarians. What do you want people to know about your state, John? I want people to know that North Carolina has some amazing shelters and some amazing organizations that are doing everything they can to save lives and that are looking for help and that are looking for resources. I want people to know that we definitely care about our animals here in North Carolina, you know, and that we are growing for change, you know, and that we are seeing change. 
there's just so many hurdles here in North Carolina, you know, and, and there are in all the states, don't get me wrong, but here in North Carolina, especially when it comes down to access to care, I, I, I just fall back on that over and over again because it's just the hurdle that keeps on giving, unfortunately, you know. Well, you were talking about the bright spots. You mentioned Charlotte, Mecklenburg, animal care and control, and that, you know, on any given day, they'll have a horse or a pig, uh, even in urban Charlotte. I just want to say it's a fantastic organization. Dr. Josh Fisher leading things down there. Uh, you know, they're not just good in terms of North Carolina. They're good anywhere, really national leaders. So hopefully that success in, in communities like Charlotte can continue to spread. Uh, we have some of the most amazing leaders in, in animal welfare in North Carolina. We have Dr. Fisher, who's fantastic. We have Shelley Moore, Humane Side of Charlotte. We have Jess Ayers of Burlington. Martin F. over at Forsyth Humane. I mean, we just have some of the best leaders you could ask for. And they are all so dedicated to improving not just their own communities, but North Carolina in general. You know, all these people either have served or are serving on the North Carolina Animal Federation Board. Uh, and then we've got some of them that also work with NACARCO, which is the North Carolina Animal Rabies Control Association. So that's one thing I see it in, you know, in North Carolina a lot is we get a lot of buy-in from a state level from our, our leaders. We've got Elizabeth Overcash, who's the now the board chair for North Carolina Animal Federation, who's also working with the... Uh, Durham, which is, you know, her hometown, even though she actually, you know, works in Burlington. Durham's another one. Durham's, you know, they've been, they have, the APS of Durham has been struggling against some really restrictive ordinances for a long time. And we've been working for about two years now to try and get some of these ordinances uh, changed, you know, to help them save more lives. And they've been part of our shelter collab with uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, And they've just been doing incredible work. You know, they're about halfway through their collab right now. And are, are just, you know, an incredible group to work with. Well, I'm excited, John, to visit North Carolina and experience at least one community I've never been to before. And I know for everyone, it'll be a great opportunity to learn more about what is happening uh, there in your state. Um, no, we're so excited to have best friends here and to have so many shelter leaders from across the country coming in and, and sharing our state with them. And, and uh, anyone who has a chance, man, if you got an extra day, you know, I, I, Raleigh and Durham is absolutely wonderful, but, you know, Go east or go west and and hit up our beautiful mountains or hit up our beautiful coast if you get a chance because it's not like any other. Thank you to Bethany Hines, Kayla Sebo, Whitney Blyton, Kim Clonch, Tawny Hammond, and Mark Peralta for their contributions to make this podcast what it is. My name is John Dunn. This is the Best Friends Podcast, and I hope to see and meet all of you this week at the Best Friends National Conference.